the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1800270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. How's it going? What's up? Another week ahead of us. Another day, another dollar, another interview. This one's very cool. I feel like I've been waiting to sit down with Jay White for quite some time. Which, by the way, the guest on the show today is Jay White. You guys may know him from New Japan, from Ring of Honor, from Impact. The guy's kind of done it all recently, just, uh, you know, with all elite. This man is making the rounds, making the most of his time pop up wherever the hell he wants. Do whatever he wants. The guy's a badass. Uh, But yeah, I've really wanted to talk to Jay for some time, especially, you know, seeing uh, We Crossed Paths couple of years ago when John was doing uh, New Japan and he was a part of Wrestle Kingdom and I got to go to Japan with him. We were in Tokyo. I met Jay through that. We went out. We had a great karaoke evening, which we certainly dive into here on the show uh, because what a hidden talent for one Jay White. Man, the guy can really hit some notes, do the back and forth. You know, if, if there's a duet, he can play both roles. I was very uh, enchanted by this. He did great. But anyways, yeah, Jay's on the show today. Uh, we get into, you know, all the things that I just kind of rattled off of, you know, his time in New Japan, uh, his experience with AEW, um, all the things that he's been able to do, what's still on his bucket list, how he got started in professional wrestling. Maybe I live under a rock, but I had no idea the way that he got started. And I find it quite freaking fascinating. It's really cool. I feel like a lot of people just have like random stories, you know, and not to like, you know, everyone's story is their story, but. It's like, yeah, I watched it when I was a kid and I loved it. So I'm wrestling in my backyard with friends and blah, blah, blah. But I love Jay's story. It's it's different. It's unique from that. It's like very specific to him, which I find very funny. Um, and man, for, for a dude that has not actually been doing this for that long, I mean, yes, 10 years, of course, is a long time. But in comparison to what some other people take, and greatness takes a long time, man. It is not overnight. So the fact that Jay has accomplished all the things that he has done and has been regarded as one of the best. I mean, the dude's awesome. Anyways, enough of me babbling on about this. Let's just get into it. Here's Jay White.
congrats on signing with AEW. How has that been? Well, I didn't do that. Wait, you didn't? No. What's the situation? It's just a free-for-all? There's a good way to start this off. No, I'm, I mean, I didn't, sign, I didn't sign with them or anything like that. Oh, I thought you did. You're just free agent doing whatever you please. I'm still with New Japan, but luckily, you know, I have a fair bit of freedom and where I can kind of go and do what I want, so to speak. Well, that's nice. Well, okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that up right off the bat. Yeah, there we go. I, I, I think uh, I thought it was uh, kind of known. I don't, you might have been one of the only few that actually still thought that. There was never one of those sweet graphics put out with me. So, Well, hey, it's nice to get a little bit of everything, right? Why not? Exactly. Yeah, it's fun. You never know where or when I'll show up, which I keep saying nonstop. You know, people only know I'm going to be at one place with this impact. AW New Japan just makes it all a little bit more exciting. It must be nice for you too, just to like, if there is somebody else in another promotion that you want to work with, or yeah, you just feel like you need to switch it up a little bit. Like, why not? Yeah, spread those wings, get out there. It's it's nice to be able to to have that freedom, I think, and be able to try and uh, make those certain things happen. Are you in Florida right now? I am. Can you tell by how beautiful and sunny it is? <laughs> I can tell by that like enclosed pool situation that is like quintessential Florida. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we get attacked by bugs and all that. Just the other day, actually, I had two snakes outside of LMI, which I'm not really a fan of. So thank God we got the Lenar. Otherwise, they would be in here probably. I think they were looking for water as well. I'm sure. Oh, my God. I couldn't even imagine being in a pool and a snake jumps in there or like alligators are everywhere in Florida. Uh-uh. Yeah, there was one um, on the driveway next door the other day. And there's the uh, the gym I go to. They've got like a pond out back with the doors open. There's always just one alligator sunning out there. So that was very different to me being from New Zealand, you know. And now out here, there's just alligators and snakes everywhere. Wait, what is like the wildlife in New Zealand like? Because everyone, like being from Canada, everyone's like, oh, what do you have like a pet moose? Or what do you have like a beaver? Like that's like the quintessential thing. What is it for New Zealand? Honestly, I'm not sure what people expect to find that one of the wildest ones i've heard somebody think that there was this particular animal in new zealand actually flip gordon i think he believes zebras that we had zebras wild zebra this was years ago we're out to dinner somewhere in japan and he's, he's like wait you don't have wild zebra in new zealand i was like i don't know what you think about new zealand dude but no we don't have zebra <laughs> running around our, our native bird our like national like icon our native bird the kiwi flightless long beak can't really do much so you know it's not not overly impressive but just kind of cute we love a flightless bird. Hey, exactly. Yeah, just a cute <laughs> little flightless bird. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I was getting ready to hop on to do this interview with you. And I had a really weird travel day yesterday where I lost my one bag. So I didn't have any makeup. I couldn't get camera ready, which is fine. It, you know, we're going au naturel. Let's call it the Alicia Keys look. It's fine. Hey, you and me both. I just jumped in the pool. You know, I haven't done my makeup either. Don't worry about it. Have you been in a situation of losing your luggage and being like in a pinch? I think I've been pretty fortunate. Touch wood, you know, I got a flight tonight, so we'll, we'll, hopefully it doesn't happen then. But I think I've been pretty fortunate in not losing bags. I think a lot of people have been having terrible travel experiences recently. It's been nuts. I know last weekend people trying to get in and out of uh, Tampa with like tornado warnings and stuff. People's flights were canceled. Luck luckily, I was very fortunate to get back from Dallas. I was on a later flight. I had no issues, but I know people before me. Uh, I think people weren't getting, they weren't even getting home that day, maybe even not the next one. So I was very lucky with that. But no, I've uh, I've been pretty fortunate baggage-wise, but hopefully yours turns up. Have they at least found it? Have you, have you heard where it is? You know what? I've not even looked into it, to be completely honest. So our flight got canceled and then it, because we were connecting and I looked at the boarding pass and I was like, 
wait, this says we're taking off tomorrow. So we, we ended up just grabbing a car and driving home because it was like a four hour drive and the flight, the flight wouldn't have been until like 9am this morning. So, I mean, it would be here now if it is. So I got to look into it after this. It's fine. It's just stuff, whatever. I'll find it. I'll track it down. A little bit different. So if you were trying to get to a show or something, then you don't have any stuff. I've never had that. You've never done that where you've not, you've not had your gear or your boots or anything like that. No, I've been fortunate about that. I think like a lot of wrestlers, I've probably had the nightmare of either getting your gear <laughs> yeah, or your music yes. playing. I think that's a common one. Uh, I've never forgotten my gear though. I, I did have to lend a pair of, I think, uh, trunks to Chris Hero. I want to say 2016 okay. or something. Uh, Cause that, that happened to him coming to England and he, uh, he had to kind of mix and match with other guys gear because of basketball lost. But luckily myself, it never happen. I always take it carry on with me. So to make sure it gets there. Smart. You know, you're an old pro. You know how it goes. Bring your boots. Carry them on. Well, that was one of the first things. One of the first things I got told when it, especially when it came to traveling as a wrestler, make sure you take your gear and you carry on so you can still do your job. That's so funny. The dream of your music hitting. I know John has had that several times and you'll like tell me that. I recently had a dream that I was in like seg three of raw, I got handed this crazy long promo that had like very weird specific verbiage. Um, and I of course had no time to learn it. And, uh, that was my nightmare. Do you have dreams like that? The one of the music, uh, hitting and it's usually my boots. I got pretty high boots, a lot of laces to do up. It's tedious. So that's always the, I think that's the common one is music's playing. And I'm like, and I'm only down on my ankle. I'm nowhere near being done at the knee. I'm, I'm just starting. And I'm like, I don't, and it's, it's weird because in your dream, it's like, I don't know what, there's no solution to this. I can't go out there with, you know, I've got to, I've got to wait till my boots up. So just keep the music playing. I don't know. It's so funny that like everyone has that same dream. It's like the same, like if you like, you know, work in like uh, the service industry of like, I've got tables and they don't have their food. They don't have their drinks. It's so weird that like that dream is transferable to other people. I find that very funny. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if it's like the same insecurity that people share about, or it's just one of like the worst fears that obviously we all going to have being in a, in a similar job. So I think that's why, yeah, I think that probably is one of the worst fears is that music playing, food's not done up. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you, hello, hi, and you love some combat sports, well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. So you're living in Florida now. How long have you been in the U.S. now? I mean, you've been here pretty solidly during the whole pandemic, right? I've been living in the States since, since pretty much since New Japan sent me over to uh, Ring of Honor back in mid-2016. And like I kind of spent that time was back and forth between the States and England because that's where my base was pre-New Japan. But I'd say from 2017 onwards, I've pretty much been here full time. And then I had like got my first apartment in late 2017. So I've been here for a while. And then we got to Florida right before pandemic hit. So just before everybody else kind of came and overcrowded it, we got in right before the rent skyrocketed and stuff. So uh, yeah, we got, we got down here like January, 2020. So it's been great compared to Michigan. I can now be out here. 
I'm assuming it's snowing back in Michigan. So yeah, it's nice to not be there. We're in Cincinnati and it's currently hailing here. So yeah, you definitely dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, not envious of that at all, especially again, New Zealand beaches and all that compared to Michigan, not really my thing. I need to be close to water and sun. When was the last time you were home? I went back uh, late 2019, just before the pandemic. Uh, Fortunately, New Zealand's not really the easiest place to travel. I mean, pre-pandemic, it wasn't easy just because it's so far away and over its in its own little pocket of the world. But, you know, now it's, uh, I think, I, I'm, I'm really not sure on what the latest um, restrictions and stuff are. I just know to get back in, you had to pay for a quarantine hotel for two weeks and there was some ridiculous way that people had to get a month in advance. So it's just really not even a, really not even an option. Yeah, no, I hear that. I just went back to Canada for the first time, like two, three weeks ago. I had not been home and God, almost, almost three years, I want to say. The same thing. I mean, definitely different restrictions than there are here in the US. So that um, for sure threw me for a loop. I miss home. I do miss it. Yeah, yeah, me too. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to get back, but you know, family's doing a ride and stuff. So most importantly. Talk to me about training in the New Japan Dojo. When you first got there, what is that experience like? Or like, what were your expectations when you got there versus what it actually was like? Uh, honestly, I didn't. It's almost like I didn't have expectations. My my kind of mistake when I went into the dojo was I didn't do enough research on just like New Japan's history itself, whether it's the culture and just the way the system works. So, I really had no clue what I was going into. I also didn't want to ask too many questions because I didn't want it to come off like I was being hesitant about it all, which I wasn't, you know. I just didn't know, am I going to train? Am I Should I be expecting to get paid? Should I be expecting to have matches? I, I had no clue what to, what to expect. So once I kind of got there, yeah, it was a pretty big shock. Um, not just a culture shock, but like I said, I didn't know what to expect, you know, on the, on the rest of the side training-wise. So get in there, shave my head, Nobody else spoke English at the dojo there. We had a couple of days before they started training us and stuff. We got to go and watch Wrestle Kingdom. And then after that, it was basically wake up early in the morning. You go clean everything. 10 a.m. you'll start training. And that'll last for usually on an average is three hours. It's never really shorter than that. It's pretty intense stuff. But um, I was quite fortunate where we just kind of did a ride at it at the same time. And also the uh, at the time, the Japanese young boys I was with was... Uh, Yo and show they'd been there for a little while not they weren't too much of a beginner so because we managed to fit into kind of their level and stuff and we could do it we kind of didn't have to do terrible shitty training for too long so, so that was pretty good but stay in line make sure you're respectful to everybody learn the ways of the young boy and stuff and then as long as your training is as hard as you can you kind of can't really go wrong with that how much do you think that that sort of style and still having that respect and being brought up through the wrestling business should be instilled in American wrestling? Because I know that is obviously the big thing is to send guys over to Japan and they learn all these things. They are the young lions. Do you think that that is something that should happen in the U.S. more? I think so, but not completely. I think the uh, I'm not saying the Japan system is perfect. I think there's plenty of flaws to it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think that, you know, that whole kind of respect thing, sometimes that can be overdone. I think I hear in wrestling, sometimes people think that that is just because you've been doing something for longer, that means that you're above somebody else or that. So I feel like you got to find a balance of that, whether whether it's you know, who's been there longer and then talent and respect-wise. But 
I, I think it is important, but again, sometimes it can just be kind of overdone and stuff. So finding a balance of that, listen to the people that have been the places where you want to go and the experiences they've had, you'd be an idiot to not listen to that stuff. So hey, if you're going to, um, you know, want to be respectful and listen to certain people at the end of the day, it's only going to harm you. Who were some of the main people that you really wanted to listen to that you wanted to be under the learning tree of? Nakamura was there. So I was there for one of his last years and I, I met him once, I think, before going into the dojo because I met him in England when he came over and I met some of the other guys and he spoke a bit more English and, you know, he's kind of into some of the West culture and this and that, I'm sure. as you've He's heard. also like the coolest fucking dude of all time. Exactly. He's great. And he, uh, he looked out for me from the start as well. So he was always great. And again, that was 2015. So, you know, he was at the top of his game and stuff as, as he still is. But so it was really cool to try and watch him there from him. And then you had guys like, of course, guys like Tanahashi and that. Just all those guys at, at kind of the top there. And, and you also had guys like Carl Anderson being some of the foreigners over there. You know, those guys looked after us as well and kind of helped show us some stuff there. What is it like for you to have worked with Shinsuke and known him during that time, going back to 2015, to then seeing what he's done at his time at NXT, his time in WWE? What are some of the differences you see between his style, the persona, and how that has been able to like transfer over into that WWE style? I don't watch any, any if at all um, these days, but I think where he managed to uh, last there and it translates over is because it's not even really about the wrestling foot with, with him. It's, you know, him himself is just, Kind of has has the aura and way he presents himself, and I think he was obviously very, uh, you know, whether that was a natural thing for him or if it was something he was a lot more conscious about. Who knows? Probably a little bit of both. But I think you know when when you go into somewhere like WWE, not that I know from experience, but it's very much more presentation and your character persona as opposed to the types of matches that he would be having back in New Japan and stuff like that. And I think that translated very well with him with his, his look, his music, and the way he carries himself it's very easy to get drawn in and just want to watch the guy. And I think that's what's most important at the end of the day. As soon as he came to WWE, I was like, mm, I think I would like to make him my best friend. How can we make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it's also, I think something to be said, it's even more impressive that he's a Japanese guy doing it to a U.S. crowd as well. I think this should be a lot good for that because that's uh, very rare, you know, if there's anything to compare to that at all. Harkening back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show of you being able to work for all these different promotions and do all these different things. Was WWE one of the things on your list of things that you want to do and to be able to just try that on for size and see what that experience is like at all or no? Um, it depends. I don't know. So are you familiar with kind of how I got into wrestling? I, don't, I Like I've said this out there a bunch of times, but I don't know if people have you heard about the WrestleMania trip? No, I don't know the WrestleMania trip. Let's hear it. I started watching 2004, so when I was 11, 12, maybe a little bit later than some, wasn't big in New Zealand. Watched it for a few years, kind of grew out of it mid-teenage years, 18, finished school, joined the army really quick as an officer, but it wasn't for me, left that, ended up working for a friend's dad on construction sites, and a radio channel, they said, oh, we're doing a competition, uh, call up, yada, yada, you'll go in the draw to win, everything paid for, go to WrestleMania. So this is 2011, early 2011. I was like, oh, shit, okay. You know, always wanted to, that would be cool. Used to watch it back in the day a few years ago. Why not? Called up, had to do some competition against somebody else. I won that. They put me in the drawer. They did that for weeks. What was like the competition? I, I had to debate the other caller and they didn't tell you whether you were for or against it. They would just tell you how to do it. I had to debate that like chick flicks were the best thing in the world or something. 
and I managed to do some, I managed to approach you with something where you're like, something about it's easy to take a girl out on a date with chick flips or something, something like that. And uh, so I won that, went in the draw, only went in the draw to, to do that. And then again, a couple of weeks later, sat on site and they're like, oh, we're doing the draw. Sat next to the radio, had my phone out, and I hear them dial the numbers, beep, beep, beep. Then my phone goes, oh, oh shit, jump up, yelling, what the hell? So, uh, so I won uh, flights, tickets, hotel, everything paid for for me and a friend to go from New Zealand to Atlanta, uh, Hall of Fame ceremony, WrestleMania. And at that point, the only wrestling I ever knew of was WWE. Like it wasn't big in New Zealand, let alone you know, any of the other companies. And again, this is 2011, so I didn't even know New Japan existed other than, well, I knew they existed, but I never kind of watched it. You know, when a guy knew guys like Eddie Guerrero and stuff had come through, Jericho and all that. Kind of from there, you know, we went to WrestleMania and it kind of just, I don't know, re-inspired me and it was as simple as why. Well, I never would have thought I'd go to WrestleMania, let alone win, win it on a trip on a radio station. So it's like, well, I always wanted to be when I was younger. So if this could happen, why can't that happen? That kind of just, I don't know, it just like clicked in me that it's like, well, I'm just going to do it. So that's what kind of inspired it to get back to your original question. That's crazy. Also, like, damn, what a, what a gift from a radio station. I didn't know they had that kind of cash to throw around. Shit. I know. Very nice. And again, they let me take a friend as well, all paid for. So I, I can't imagine what the uh, total bill would have been been for on that. But that's kind of how I uh, got back into it. And then, you know, if that didn't happen, I probably wouldn't be here doing wrestling because 2012, I then left. Uh, when I had a little gap here in the UK in 2013, I just moved to England, started from scratch, started training at a wrestling school there because I knew that there was no wrestling in New Zealand or anywhere else. And and honestly, the way that it made sense in my mind is that America's number one. You know, England's kind of like the little brother for opportunity and stuff like that. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. At the time, that's what I thought, and hey, it worked out. That's pretty crazy to have yeah. not trained you moved to England to do this. What if you didn't like it? I mean, that's, that's a, a lot. great question. That's <laughs> right? a great question. That's what the guy said to me the first night that I trained as well. He's like, don't you think it would have been good to try this first? I was like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm here now. So this is it, I guess. Was there anybody of um, like any note that was in there with you when you were training to get started? Like guys that you kind of came up with during that time? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and just to touch on this story, I don't know if I went the whole time when I went to England and stuff. Uh, I never told anybody that I was planning on wrestling, by the way. I kept that to myself until I uh, basically got to England. Parents didn't know. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> How old were you? I was either 21 or 22, around there. First time I told my mum, I was actually in the at the arena, Portsmouth Guild Hall, before the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, so this is actually what I've uh, come to do, and I'm debuting tonight. What did she say? I think she was just kind of shocked. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, cool. <laughs> like, obviously supportive and cool. Um, I can't exactly remember, obviously, but she's obviously very supportive. Just, I'm sure, very surprised because they had no idea. It's so funny thinking back to, like, that age. Cause when I think to myself being that age, like I was 19, packed up my bags to move to Los Angeles. I'm like, I'm going to go be an actress. I had done like one commercial, a couple music videos. Like I was not fucking ready to move to Hollywood to do that. But I'm like, here I go. But it's so funny to think of like that bold, younger version of yourself. That's just like, fuck it. This is a thing that I'm going to do. And I'm leaning 100% into it. And it's like hindsight is 2020. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I did that. But I wish that you could like carry that boldness with you. I feel like it goes away over time. Yes. Thank you. Cause I was just about to say this. Like when you said like that boldness back then, 
I don't know if I would have that now. Like all this, all the stuff that I kind of just basically just having the guts to go and do that without any sort of guarantee or nothing. That's like, I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, I don't know if I'm too sensible to uh, to think that I could do that or something. <laughs> it's like that blind confidence or something. You're just like, this is what I'm going to do. And it is what it is. I definitely agree. I feel like you do lose that a little bit. Maybe it's because I got comfortable or something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could be able to do that again. Who knows? Well, I think it's like, I don't know, responsibility starts to kick in where it's like, okay, now I've got, you know, I've got to have a mortgage or like, oh, you know, you're in a relationship or whatever. There's all these other real life factors that start to creep in that ground you to wherever you are that make you kind of plant your roots, whether you had intended to or not. But the fact that you were able to do that, that I was able to do that, like I wouldn't change a damn thing. And I feel like everybody should have that experience to like, just go fucking try something. Exactly. 100%. Like some of my coolest memories are like nothing fancy at all. It's it's like me riding my shitty bike through the pouring rain in Portsmouth because I've got to go from, I've just done a 12 hour shift working at the gym and I've got to go to wrestling training. And I've got to bike back through this kind of shitty area. But like, Thinking about on that stuff, like you said, wouldn't change any of it, none of it. Anytime I go back there, I love walking around that same area where I first lived. The first place I had there, I had to, uh, I, it was like a student house. And the bedroom that I had, they'd uh, converted it into one from like an upstairs small bathroom. And these houses in, in England, they're all conjoined. It's very small. Like you had, you couldn't open a suitcase on the floor, basically. Things like that, cool memories like that, like you said, wouldn't change any of it. And before I forget, you mentioned if there's anyone I train with of note. Biggest name that I could think of off the top of my head would be Jamie Hayter. I trained under a guy called UK Kid, Tom Jones, uh, obviously not the singer. Uh, his uh, company there was um, yeah, BPW Varsity. Not unusual to be loved by anyone. Exactly. I'm sure he'd do a great rendition of it anyway. But, uh, we actually shared a wall, our training facility, with uh, Revolution Pro. And so they had other guys there and stuff. Jamie Hayter, she came in. Um, I can't remember when she started training us for a little bit. We might have been there for a year together, but... So it's really cool seeing how how much she's blown up since then as well. Yeah, she's crushing it. She's yeah, she absolutely is. What a great like look she has. I'm a, I'm a fan for sure. She's done a great job transforming with that as well because yeah, she's Jack now and yeah, she never used to be that Jack before. So she's done awesome. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite things is seeing like the throwback photos to people when they first started and they're like these kids, these like scrawny kids that like don't really know what they're doing. And then you see someone like transform into this star. It's funny. I was thinking about that with Becky Lynch the other day. She was posting video, uh, some pictures of when she first started talking about how long greatness can take. Takes a long time. And you look at that first version of her when she first started wrestling, you know, in Ireland to this beast that she has become at WrestleMania. She comes out with a mullet. She's got this whole new fucking look. And it's like, it's cool. I just, I love the, I love that stuff like that does take time. And that some people think that it feels like it's this overnight sensation. And it's not, it's like those years and years of grinding that nobody sees. Yep. 100%. And and it does make it so much more enjoyable for those watching as well. Like you can see that whole, kind of story from the start and i think that's uh that's probably the best thing with the new japan young lion system is that they get to see these guys come in at such an early stage and they get to watch their journey some fans they may catch on to stuff now but uh when i'm doing signings and stuff they say oh we've watched you since young lion days and you can just tell that they just have such a bigger appreciation for everything because they've seen it all and kind of they've kind of been along that journey with you so um it is always good when you can kind of track back and see the early days and stuff like that yeah it's always good 
So I just sang a couple bars of a Tom Jones song, and I would like to take it back to when I first met you in Japan. Um, I was hoping this wouldn't come up. Go on. <laughs> You're damn right was, it's coming up. I was up. great. I was like, I was like, what is Renee going to want to talk to me about? I was like, oh, I've only met her a couple of times. Is there any any uh, notable interactions during those times? I'm like, oh, shit, she might remember karaoke. <laughs> I do I'll, remember I'll let you. I'll let you lead here, so I want to see where you're going to take it. So... We go out to karaoke. This was uh, during Wrestle Kingdom. I got to go out with John. It was my first and only time in Tokyo. It was incredible. I was only there for about two days. But we go out to go do karaoke afterwards. It was me, you, It was a big group of people, yeah. Yeah, um, Finley was there. Yeah, it was a good group of people. But in the smallest little room, of course, we're in Tokyo. That was big for Japanese karaoke as well. We got lucky, but so yes, it was a small room. I had to step out at one point because I was like, "Mm, am I about to have um, a panic attack because of this tiny little room? (laughs) No, actually, you know what tipped that off was because it was me, John, Juice, and maybe one other person were in the elevator going up and Juice goes, imagine this thing stopped and we all got stuck. And I'm like, oh my God, don't even like... Fuck with me like that. That's my nightmare. Uh, so he he actually ruined my night single-handedly with that. But anyway, so we go in to do karaoke and you fucking crush at karaoke. Well, I can't remember what song you did. I just, you did n- uh, numerous songs, but I remember you doing a song that required different harmonies and there was like a back and forth. Like you sang both parts. What a skill. There was two options I was thinking here because you know, there's about Jay White's top five karaoke songs that he performed each time he goes out. But the two that I know you're going to pick out of, and I think I know exactly which one you're talking about, because once you said the back and forth, it's uh, It Wasn't Me by Shaggy. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was so good. The other one was going to be is Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. I don't know if you were there for that, but I killed that as well. Oh, I, I did not hear that. But what? Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed that. I remember you stealing the show. Actually, you know what? You came, you did a perfect Britney Spears. Uh, I can't remember what the song was, actually. But <laughs> oh, yeah. Baby Baby was, everybody stopped and was like, oh, shit. Okay, I everybody know. better watch Renee I remember that. And I was like, oh, I did just kind of hit that. I got it. All right. No, what a Shaggy, good time. Uh, it's one, uh, everybody, everybody knows the chorus. You know, nice soft harmony in the chorus. But nobody expects anybody to pick up uh, Shaggy's verses. So luckily, I'm there to, you know, take the load for everybody. What other like hidden skills do you have? Because that one, I like, I mean, I remember it so clearly that I was like, well, shit, look at you go. I don't know what other, what other hidden skills you're going to have there, but you're right. I do try to hit a different, you know, different ranges when I do the character. You, you have got to. Hips don't lie. You got a, uh, it wasn't me. What's the other one I go to? Oh, Ballroom Blitz. Oh, yes. Yes. There. You did Ballroom Blitz and it was amazing. That's that's a hard one to do. It's quick. So you got to like have your breathing on point. Have a bit of experience as a performer, you know, so I can be on top of that. Also, plenty of practice uh, doing karaoke in Japan as well. It's very, very common uh, pastime out there. I'm so glad I got to do karaoke in Japan. That is like that you have to do karaoke when you're in Japan. Yeah, it's great. And they just keep bringing you drinks if that's what you want to be doing and stuff. So, yeah, it's always nice. The, the serves can get serenaded every now and then. Um, there are always good sports about it. So, yeah, it's always fun. Though. What was the last time you were in Japan? Coming up a year ago. Uh, we've been about mid-May, I think I got back. Because you were back there when shows were coming back and then things kind of halted again, right? They shut down for a little bit. And then they, uh, 
once they first started having shows back, there was no fans and they couldn't get people back. And then I first went back. I think we had about a break from February till the start of September in 2020. So what's that? That's about six months. And yeah, I went back there September. But then from there, it was like out of about nine months, I think I spent about seven and a half to eight months in, in Japan. Yeah, so that was a pretty rough period there. But I've had some nice time off since then. And you know, it's allowed us to allow myself to have the opportunities with Impact, AEW, and doing the New Japan Strong stuff, which we're getting some good momentum with. I'm, I'm actually flying there tonight for our show there tomorrow. It'll be in LA tomorrow. So yeah, it's been nice having the time over here. Who do you still want to work with? Just the overall? Yeah. Like as you have all these different opportunities and more people become free agents and people are popping up in different promotions. Is there anything that you're like dying? It's someone you're dying to get in the ring with. No, but I feel like this is a lot of people say that because they want to say like, oh, I don't, I'm not bothered, but I really don't sit there and think about, you know, wrestling or if I want to wrestle with someone, you know, it takes up enough of my time. So when I'm not at wrestling, I don't want to think about it. You know, now, what, what's fun for me is my time here. So I'm not trying to go out and spend time away from home and I'd rather swim with the pool with the dog. But I sometimes think I should have a better answer for that to at least human people. So uh, I think the easiest one to go with is I'll just say Randy Orton. Ooh, good answer. When I first started watching in 2004, he was kind of the first guy that got behind. He had just left Evolution. And the, uh, the first pay-per-view event I watched was Survivor Series 2004. They did the elimination thing. and ended up with him and Triple H. So uh, Randy was the, probably the first guy I got behind. So I'm just going to say him. God, imagine Randy was like in free agent territory. That would be wild wild i can't picture it but like maybe yeah i mean yeah i can't imagine that ever happening and again if that doesn't happen it's no lost sleep here but there's a bit of a bitter answer rather than me saying i don't care (laughs) thank you i'll take it so in new japan for you you've really done it all truly i mean you know as a first grand slam champion there what's left for you to do in new japan i don't know i may have to get back over there to, to figure that out to be honest but maybe there's more for me to be done over in the states but that is a is a good question. I am very, very fortunate that I've been able to accomplish those things. And I haven't been doing this for 10 years yet. So that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I'm uh I'm good. No, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm uh, no, I know I I am aware of how fortunate I am and stuff. You know, a lot of guys could spend a lot longer and get a lot less out of it. So no, I know I'm fortunate. But yeah, what else for me to do? I'm not really sure, but it's also a nice feeling to kind of just have that freedom to kind of see what takes me where. Do you ever have, I mean, you say you you don't spend too much of your downtime thinking about wrestling and you have been, you know, you've done so much and you've been very fortunate to work in so many different companies, but do you ever have those like downtime moments where you're like, I'll say the word lull, but I just mean when you're like, what am I going to do next? Do you ever like, what happens during those moments for you? Um, usually I just kind of got to remind myself that there's going to be a point where I'm going to be flat out and busy and all I want is a little bit of a lull and time off type thing. So just to actually appreciate and enjoy that time off. Again, I know there's going to be a point where I'll be awake for weeks or be flat out and all I want is a little break. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of why I do in that point. Just kind of appreciate it because you know, that's kind of what I work hard for is to be able to have that time off and have that time home. God, I wish I could be like that. I turn into such a fucking spaz sometimes. I'm like, what am I doing? What's happening? I say I try to do that. It's easier said than done and stuff. And, and you know, and that's the process. There's more natural for me to be go, go, go type of thing. So, but it has been nice to be able to, uh, to switch off and kind of enjoy my, you know, my time off. And it does help that we, uh, bought a house late last year. So we kind of have a bit more space now. So 
I can kind of get back here, my little pocket hidden away, and uh, don't have to deal with him. Um, talk to me about your relationship with uh, with Fergal Devitt, the prince. Um, your your relationship with him. You know, we've already kind of touched on Shinsuke, but just how much those guys were were they? You know, extended an olive branch to you pretty early on in your career. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have got to New Japan. I won't say at all. It could have been another way, but I wouldn't have got there the way I did if it wasn't for for Fergal from Bella. Because we cited a year in England, 2013, and then we actually booked him on our shows early 2014. So he came over, and I met him through that. He did a couple of our shows. He gave me his cards to stay in touch. A few months later, he came back over for another company. I went up and saw him again. That's when I met Shinsuke. I met Bad Luck Fale that time as well. And then from there, he kind of, I think because he was on the, he had just left New Japan um, by the time I saw him in England. He was about to hit the WWE. And I know uh, Fale kept doing the stuff behind the scenes and they kind of got me the spot over there. So it was a guy, I see him every now and then, chat every now and then. But it's, it's a, I feel like we have a good relationship without, it's not like we're close personal friends or anything, if that makes sense. But now he's always been a guy that, you know, he always kind of looked out if I need anything to say, just reach out. So great dude from the start. And, uh, yeah, when it got to where I did the way I did it, it wasn't for him either. Oh, you know what? Let me let me add to uh, my answer before. And Randy, on let's let's put old uh, Fergal in there as well. Again, there's very few uh, moments in wrestling that mean anything personally to me, but I think that would be a cool thing personally. And again, I guess that's why I picked those two guys, Randy and Fergal, is because there's just some sort of personal. So actually, you know, in person between me and Fergal, but just Randy, obviously not just first guy I watched, but. It's cool to me that you can really separate the two. It seems like you really keep your wrestling and your personal life really separate. Yeah, I try to. You know, so much of our lives are going to be out there anyway. So it's just really, I, I just value being able to kind of keep my personal life, my personal life and stuff. And you know, it's, you know, it's not everybody else's business type of thing. Um, I think also in wrestling, just the way of the way that wrestling is, how it's presented, it makes people want to, because uh, you're told, no, you're not allowed to know this about this person or behind the scenes. It just makes people want it even more. Of course, that's to me, that's just natural human behavior. So then people are going to pry and dig even more. So, um, no, I, isn't I like that the fucking to, <laughs> truth? Oh my God. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir oh. right here. So, uh, it's really nice to, uh, it's not always the easiest, but it is nice to be able to try and just keep it private. John's very much like that as well. He's super, super private about his stuff. I'm less so, but obviously I have to be more depending on what the situation is. But I remember him and I, when we had gotten married, no one knew it wasn't, you know, necessarily public information. Kevin Owens wanted to say something. We were doing Talking Smack and he came. I was like, oh, congratulations, da, da, da. And we're like, no, 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 we're not talking about it. But but then because we didn't give it to people and we didn't do this whole like, hey, we're married, blah, 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 that all of a sudden people want to like, they want to get that information. It takes a bit of work to try and keep it separate, but it's uh, it's one of the most uh, important things to me, I think, without you know, keeping things enjoyable with risks and stuff. Because if it, all the wrestling stuff that bled over too much, you know, personal private life, it would just make it so much more stressful. So. For sure. For sure. So I, so I won't delve into that stuff with you. I'll let it be. There we go. There we go. I was waiting fine. for you to ask a question and me to do that to you as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, So I'll just keep it on you. But, but like, what are, like, what do you do in your downtime when, when you are not wrestling and you're not thinking about wrestling? What are the shows you're watching? What's the music you're listening to? Do you have like weird hobbies? Do you, are you, do you do pottery? What are you doing over there? I kind of got a farm now somewhat. So that keeps me busy. What's on your farm? 
Well, we got dog, cat. Uh, we came with four chickens. We just got two ducks recently. They're starting to quack now. <laughs> um, they went from the high-pitched chirps to it's like their voices are dropping. <laughs> uh, so so now it keeps me busy out here, but I, I enjoy it because, again, it's nothing to do with wrestling. I can just kind of zone out doing stuff around. the. Uh, there's, there's always something keeping me busy. Honestly, my favorite thing, because I just like here in the sun, I have music playing. Here's the pool. I got the grill out here as well. I'm a big NBA fan as well. Oh, who's your team? Uh, I'm more of a players fan because I know from New Zealand, I'm not going to be tied to an area. So very exciting year for me. I'm a uh, LeBron and Westbrook fan. So it was exciting to watch at least the Lakers this year. It hasn't been boring. I'll put it that way. But at the same time, I just enjoy all of it. I watch the other games when it's close finishes and stuff. So those are my evenings for a lot of the time. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get up in there, make some money. You guys can choose from the money line and the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is so freaking easy to use. And when you win, you get paid real fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada, my home province. Let's get after it. So to place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as knowledge travel site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8- Hope NY or text Hope NY for New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee and visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Having the Bullet Club here in the United States, you, Carl Anderson, Gallows, working with Chris Bay, what has uh, that been like at Impact for you? It's been fun, fresh, fresh is always good. Uh, Bullet Club's been around for a while now, so keeping things fresh is always good. And uh, new members and shaking it up a little bit, dropping some, adding some more, um, just so it's not always the, the same old thing. And you know, Adding the best members and pieces that are going to help us move forward the best, in my opinion. That's been fun. When you're joining the Bullet Club, like, what is that moment like? I mean, it's obviously so iconic. When, when those moments start to happen, like what is going through your mind during all that? It's quite a big thing to be put on you. Like I, I kind of knew that I was going to have to get used to have these big things kind of put on me and opportunities or whether, whether you call it pressure or not. So, and yeah, whether they make it, whether it's nerve wracking or if you do feel the pressure at the end of the day, those are the opportunities that we all want. So you kind of just got to make the, make the most of it. And if you get in that opportunity, don't waste it basically. Do you feel that pressure to really keep things going with the Bullet Club um, after everything that happened with the Elite when they went off and started AEW? Was that something that you felt that you really needed to kind of carry on your shoulders? 
I don't feel the need for it. I don't feel like it's like weight on my shoulders or nothing. Um, I think with the Bullet Club, I kind of, I don't put too much weight on my shoulders. I think that's what Tama Tonga did. And, you know, he kind of drove himself a little bit crazy with that. So we kind of had to cut him out of there. So he seemed to have so much pressure on himself trying to carry Bullet Club. Whereas my way of kind of doing things with it is that I'm going to kind of put myself out there as well with Bullet Club attached to me. And then uh, as opposed to trying to focus on Bullet Club. And that may sound selfish at all or in some ways, but it works out if each guy kind of focuses on themselves whilst also worrying about the team as opposed to, you know, making Bullet Club number one over themselves, his kind of career is going to fall, which means Bullet Club is going to fall, unlike myself and other guys. That's why we keep going forward. So I didn't really feel the pressure of it, but I think there is cool opportunity there for me to go back and, you know, maybe mend some of those relationships and connections with guys that have been there. And that's kind of what I was doing at AEW, um, which I think I mentioned at the time. I have no issue with the Young Bucks. I know guys like Tama and T may have had issues with the Young Bucks. I don't have issues with them. I didn't even don't have issues with Kenny. I know some people think we do, but I know Tama had issues with them. So that's why Tama, T, they're cut because they're guys making things difficult. So now we can actually move forward and onto bigger, better things. So April 16th, Windy City Riot, you have a mystery opponent. How the hell do you prepare for something like that? What's the deal? Wrestling just got too easy for me beating everybody. So I kind of had to, you know, try and just make it a little bit harder on myself and keep myself guessing. Now I have a fair few of uh, surprise opponents recently. I've been doing my United States of J Open Challenge. US of A, US of J. Just keep surprises coming to wrestling. That's always uh, one of the nice, one of the funner things of wrestling, I think, of the surprises. So, um, yeah, you never know who's going to turn up as well. And obviously being in Chicago is great. As far as wrestling cities go, I'm not really sure if you'd be able to beat Chicago, can you? Probably not. I mean, you did get to wrestle at MSG. What was that like for you? That's true. I like. I always like getting asked about that because it's there's no like deep emotional, like personal meaning of MSG to me. I didn't grow up watching it like uh, everybody else here did. I, I knew it was a big stadium or a big arena, whatever you want to call it, because obviously I'd watch wrestling there. But again, it was just like any other arena in my mind like that. So even the ones that led up to doing MSG, uh, even though I knew it was such a big thing, it just you can't fake those kind of emotional feelings about a place like that. So it was just another arena to me. Uh, but I, I know objectively that it was a very cool uh, opportunity and stuff. And so I'm still very thankful for that. But it doesn't bring a tear to my eye or anything when I think about MSG. What place would bring a tear to your eye, br- bring up some emotions for you? Is there somewhere in New Zealand? Is it some? Is it the O2? I don't think so. Again, I wish I... I what wish- the hell makes you emotional? Jay! I know. Well, hey, that's the, you know, that's the million dollar question. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had a better answer of a particular place. I don't know. I just don't. I'm sure if I had to sit down for a while and think up somewhere, I could. It's just not coming to you off the top of your head. Okay, so... Is there a match or a moment that afterwards or during it, you were like, fuck yeah, this is why I love doing what I do. What are those moments for you? I had a couple of them recently. I actually just wrestled uh, Chris Saban in Dallas. Kind of had it during that match. Uh, I also had it after Alex Shelley, maybe a month ago. I think back from there. I guess another cool moment, uh, it was a few years ago now. It wouldn't be you know, kind of as as big in terms of like accomplishment wise. But when we did a, we actually did a show back in New Zealand, late 2016, uh, we had uh, my whole family come and everything. It was the first time any of them had seen me wrestle. So that was pretty cool. And it was actually in the building where I used to work as event staff because they would hold concerts there. And so then for this, then we wrestled on that. And I had my, uh, my old 
boss when I was doing that job. She uh, she was a family friend as well, and she happened to be there too. So that was that was a pretty cool thing. It was like a little full circle thing. And that was what six years ago now as well. So um, okay, so to wrap this interview up, um, I am food obsessed. What's the food from New Zealand? What do you miss the most? I don't know if I miss much from there because you can get most of it here. New Zealand's got great seafood, uh, and I can find you know a lot of that around me. I love Mr. and Mrs. Crab. We go there a whole bunch. That's always good. There's not really anything there that I miss as such because you can get most of it out here. I mean, I love my seafood and stuff, squid, shellfish, all of that. But not even like other snacks. Like my big thing is like I want ketchup chips. I want, you know, all dress chips, all of these things that are all in Canada that you can kind of track them down here, but it's difficult. No, the uh, I did just think of one that I would always just get packets of them when I'd go back is there's, there's just these like biscuits or cookies. Very plain. And then they've got just pink icing and then hundreds and thousands of them. And they'll just nonstop. They'll disappear without you realize. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, I think nothing that exciting, but there's these particular biscuits that <laughs> nothing that cool, really. I just need my hundreds and thousands cookies and I'll be good pretty much. Well, Jay, I'm glad that I was finally able to get you here on the sessions. Got to pick your brain a little bit. I didn't delve too deep into your personal stuff, even though I would have loved to. Um, but I will save that just uh, I'm going to see you in Chicago. I'm going to be out there with John. So I'll be able to uh, see you at Wendy City Ride. Excited to see who your uh, what your mystery opponent situation is going to be like. The United States of Jay. Let's go. I'm excited. I guess I'll have to wait and find out who that's going to be too, but I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll see you then. Maybe uh, we'll hit up some karaoke after. Oh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Bye, dude. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. A big thank you to Jay White for taking the time. Uh, I know he's busy. I know he appreciates his downtime and kind of being off grid a little bit. So I appreciate him hopping on with me. Um, again, I have to have that dude back on at some point. I always feel like I walk away from these interviews being like, I don't know that I'm ready for it to end, but does it need to be a three-hour podcast? I don't think any of us need that in our lives, so I won't do that. But anyways, make sure to go over to our YouTube channel, check things out. I know I keep kind of pushing that to you guys, but I don't. again, I don't know if anyone listens to the outros of podcasts. I, I know that I don't. But uh, here I am with the mic on and the red light is on, so I will continue giving the spiel. Just search Renee Paquette, search the sessions. It's all on there. You guys can check it all out and enjoy it. Coming up later this week on Thursday, I've got Celeste Bonin in the hot seat. So get ready for that interview. She's fascinating. She's beautiful. She's cool as all hell. All right, guys, this has been The Sessions. See you next time.